7: Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, Orson Welles stars as scoundrel Harry Lime on The Lives of Harry Lyme from 1951. Then it's part one of a comedy episode of The Abbott and Costello Show from 1945. With me to help present these radio classics is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? What's
6: up, Carl? Well,
7: you know what? I think we should make an announcement to all of our listeners. Coast to coast, let's talk about... Our classic radio cruise.
6: I would love to talk about our cruise. This is a brand new project for us, so we wanted to let you know as soon as possible, we are going on a cruise. We are? We are. You are, and I am, and hopefully our listeners will join us. We want
7: our listeners to come with us.
6: Well, it's not fun without them. This is a Royal Caribbean cruise, and the name of the ship is Symphony of the Seas. Is the largest cruise ship in the world. It is brand new. It's on its maiden voyage right now, and we would love to have you join us to the Caribbean. We're going to travel to St. Martin, St. Thomas, and the Bahamas, and we're starting off in Miami. It's seven days, and we are leaving on February 16th, which brings us back to February 23rd. This is President's Day weekend. Tell them some of the great things that we have in store besides these amazing islands.
7: If you book this through our exclusive travel agency, which is Kelly Cruises way to do it. Yeah, you will be included in our group and you will be privy to all the fun things we're going to be doing, including a meet and greet, we're going to have a cocktail party, we are then going to have trivia contests with great prizes. You will also get to audition to be in two classic radio reenactments. I think we're going to do like, you know, a suspense episode and maybe some comedy episode. I haven't figured it out yet. I have to check with Lisa.
0: Right. Cause she's I'll, the I'll let you know.
7: Whatever she says, that's what we're going to do. But uh we're going to also give away a $300 package of classic radio CDs and classic movies and TV shows on DVD. We're going to send that to your home way ahead of time. You won't have to uh lug it around with you on the cruise. We're going to send that as a thank you for booking with us. And we're going to have all kinds of fun stuff. We're going to go to the islands together. We're going I was to eat gonna say, together. In
6: addition to the islands, in addition to the classic radio aspect, this ship is a destination in and of itself. Um, it is like a city. It holds about 6,000 passengers and we will be there. Wow. That's yeah. A lot we will of people. be there. We want to meet you. We want to hang out with you, have dinner together, uh, take a swim, go down the water slides and explore the islands together. There's
7: like a, um, there's like an ice rink on this thing, and there's, there's like all 10 different things. restaurants. So there's if a you, casino. If
6: you want to hang out with Carl um,
7: and Lisa and
6: Lisa and uh, learn a little bit about Classic Radio, have a lot of fun. We hope you'll check it out. Go to kellycruises.com slash classic radio for more details. You can also go to our website at Hollywood360radio. There is a banner for it. You can click on it, learn more at Kelly Cruises.
7: All right. Is your phone number, too? There
6: three zero nine 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 zero one 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 one. That's six three zero nine nine zero one one one
7: one. Yes, save the date. It's february sixteenth through the twenty third. Come sail away with us. Right. Right. Okay. And
6: we'll, we'll even sing to you.
7: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, not, nobody will want to go then if we do that, so let's not. All right, well, in this hour, we're going to tune into the Lives of Harry Lime. We're going to do that right now. In fact, Orson Welles stars as Harry Lime. Let's go back to August 24th, 1951, a ticket to Tangiers. Here's part one of the Lives of Harry Lime.
1: Presenting Orson Welles. As the Third Man. The fabulous stories of the immortal character, originally created in the motion picture The Third Man, with zither music by Anton Karas. That was the shot that killed Harry Lyme. He died in a sewer beneath Vienna. As those of you know who saw the movie The Third Man, yes, that was the end of Harry Lyme. But it was not the beginning. Harry Lime had many lives. And I can recount all of them. How do I know? Very simple. Because my name is Harry Lyme. I was down on my luck. Way down. Scraping the bottom. A couple of deals had fallen through and I found myself in Paris with a lot of time on my hands and only the price of a beer in my pocket. I am spending my time and the money at Fouquet's. Not because the beer is any cheaper at Fouquet's, but because when you meet a nicer class of people, and besides, they let you read the newspapers free. So I was reading a newspaper, and I came on the advertisement. One of those classified ads in the personal column was addressed to Harry Lyme. Harry Lyme being me, I read on with some interest. There was no signature, no address. Mr. Harry Lyme it said, will find a business opportunity of an extremely profitable nature in the city of Tangier. Now, I might have thought this was one of the boys trying to hustle me out of Paris or just trying to be funny, except that the advertisement mentioned the city of Tangier. Now, why Tangier? There are very few places in the world I haven't been to, and Tangier just happened at the time to be one of them. Also, Tangier, as everybody knows, is full of money, and I I couldn't imagine anybody wanting to send me there right in the heart of the free gold area where every second address is a bank and every second person's an international operator just, just for a gag. Probably more chances in Tangier to grab a fast buck than you'll find in the world today. So I'm inclined to take the ad a little seriously. Of course, it might have been a police trap. There are cops in countries all over the globe busy looking for me. Some of them are just sharp enough to try to pull me in on a queer come on like that. But the truth is that one of the only cities left where they don't happen to want me for what's known as questioning is the port of Tangier. That's what sold me. There's just one complication... My beer was finished and with it my financial resources. How to raise the price of the ticket. While I was brooding about how to raise the price of the ticket to Tangier, my eye happened to wander down the personal column of the newspaper. And a little below the advertisement addressed to me was this. Gentlemen traveling to Tangier. A visit to the desk of the porter at the Lancaster Hotel on Rue de Berry will repay any businessman. Planning a visit to Tangier who could whistle a certain tune. Well, of course, that didn't have to be Harry Lai, but there's a song I'm fond of, one I've been whistling for years, and anybody who knew about me might know about that song anyway. What could I lose? I went over to the hotel and approached the concierge. Uh, Bonjour. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, monsieur.
3: Uh, What can I do for you? Well, I don't quite know that you can do anything. You happen to read the Paris edition of the Herald Tribune? No, monsieur. I prefer to follow the news in my own language. But we have copies of the paper you mentioned for sale. Oh, no,
1: no, 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 thanks. I've seen
3: it. Perhaps monsieur is calling for someone in the hotel, uh, one of the guests. Whom shall I announce? Uh, Harry Lyme. Perhaps I should have asked you first. Who it is you are coming to see. Now, that I couldn't tell you. Just tell me this. Do you like to whistle? I am a lover of music, monsieur, but I do not whistle. No. As a young lad, however, in the orchestra of my school, I was considered quite proficient on the bassoon. Uh,
1: well, try this on your bassoon.
3: <laughs> ah, yes, of course. I, I have something for you, Mr. lime Here. Oh,
1: thanks. Thanks very much. Yes, it's addressed to me, all right, but that's all there is on the envelope, just my name. I wonder, would it be asking too much if I asked you to tell me who this is from? Monsieur, it would be asking too much. Oh, okay, okay, oh, man, thanks. Anyway, I wish I could give you something for your trouble, but I forgot my wallet this morning. Uh, that
3: was anticipated, monsieur. Uh, what do you mean? Uh, everything, monsieur, has been taken care of. Everything? Uh, yes, monsieur, that is the world, I believe. Everything.
1: In the envelope was an airline ticket for Tangier 50,000 francs in nice fresh notes And the following letter My dear Mr. Lime When you arrive in Tangier Go immediately to the El Mirador Hotel Where a suite is reserved for you After you've dined Go to a cabaret Called the Cabala Wait there for instructions.
3: <laughs> Excuse me, Monsieur. Uh, oh, yes, Porter. Is anything wrong? Uh, nothing is wrong, Monsieur, but it is 2.45, and your plane leaves early at 3.50. Oh, okay, old man, okay. I'm on my way. Just uh, call me a cab, oh, would you please? Need for that, Monsieur. A limousine has been ordered for you. It is waiting at the door.
1: It was a very pleasant trip with a very, a very, very attractive hostess on board.
8: Are you quite comfortable, Mr. Larkin? Oh, yes,
1: I'm I'm fine.
8: Isn't there anything you like?
1: Well, I'd like to know what you're doing tonight after we land.
8: I mean, wouldn't you like some more coffee or maybe a pillow?
1: I know what you mean, and you know what I meant.
8: Tangier is a very interesting city. First there's the Arabs and the Casbah and all that, and then there's the modern European city. It's an international port, of course, with 14 different countries in control, but of course you know that.
1: Yes, yes, I've heard tell. It. I guess
8: you're making fun of me. You're a businessman. You've probably been to Tangier many times.
1: Well, let me take that up point by point. I'm not a businessman. I've never been to Tangier, and I wouldn't dream of making fun of you. Just answer me one question.
8: I go back on a return flight at six in the morning, Mr. Lyon, and I'm sleeping. You haven't
1: answered the question, besides my name isn't Mr. Lyon. Oh, that's what it says on the manifesto. My name is Harry. Have you ever been to a nightclub in Tangier called the Kabbalah?
8: Why, oh, yes, I have.
1: You have what?
8: Yes, I have Harry.
1: the nice nightclub? It's the best in town. That's good. Glad you like it. I've reserved a table for us, okay? Fasten
8: your safety belt. We're coming in.
0: You know something? What?
1: You're one of the few girls outside of Havana I ever danced with who knows anything at all about the Roomba.
8: I learned it in Havana.
1: That almost explains it.
8: What do you
1: mean, almost? Okay, you learned to dance in Havana, and so do lots of other people. Okay, you're a hostess on an airline. You're very good looking, and there are lots of good looking hostesses that dance the Roomba, but they don't dance that well. And none of them are this beautiful. All no, right. I don't know what I mean by almost, but really, you know, you're almost too good to be true.
8: No, I'm not so good. That's good. You don't even know
1: my name. Yes, I do. I have a sign on the door of the cockpit, the plane that says Captain T.R. Stevenson, co-pilot J. O'Brady, air hostess P. Smith. So that's your name, isn't it? P. Smith. May I call you P? P is for passing. Okay, we'll settle for that. Shall we sit down? That champagne ought to be cold enough by now.
8: It's awfully close in here. Why don't we forget the champagne and take a walk outside?
1: Oh, wonderful. I'll just pay the cheque.
8: don't bother. It's been taken care of. What do you mean? The cheque has been paid.
1: Well, look here, we, we can't have that You're my guest, remember Besides, I'm the male in the party And I have my prize no, I'm sorry,
8: Harry It's all taken care of Come on
1: Good night, Hummer's good, good night Good night, Monsieur Good night Good night Uh, Patsy I'm going to take something back What's that, Harry? One little word What's the word? Almost
8: I don't understand you
1: Well, I used it describing you, but it doesn't fit. The word almost could never be applied to you. Whatever you are, that's what you are completely. You couldn't be almost anything.
8: You're wrong, Harry. Almost is just the word for me. Among other things, I'm almost very rich.
1: It must be if you treat all your boyfriends to champagne. Mm,
8: You're a special case.
1: We won't argue about that, Patsy. I'm a special case. But what's an airline hostess get paid? Not to treat her boyfriends to champagne, even the special cases like me. No, no, Patsy, it doesn't make sense. You say you're rich. I said I'm almost rich. Well, then you must be almost stupid. What do you mean? Well, if I was almost rich, I wouldn't be working for my living at all. I wouldn't be found on an airplane unless I wanted to get someplace. I
8: said I was almost rich, Harry, and that's what I meant. That doesn't mean I'm... Little money or enough money it means I have to work for my living. I took this job to pay the rent and also because it brings me twice a week to Tangier.
1: What do you like about Tangier? A lot of the international lawyers and private banks with streets full of American cars and grimy characters and nightshirts. Not very beautiful. As far as I can see, it's a kind of Switzerland with Arabs.
8: No, oh, but it is beautiful, Harry, if you know the right places. Let me show you. Right. Taxi! You know the Villa Muggetti?
3: The Villa Muggetti? Ah, yes, Mademoiselle. Mademoiselle means the great palace on the hill. I know it well.
8: Good. Get in, Harry. I'm going to show you how
1: beautiful Tangier can be. The cab twisted and turned its torturous way through the native quarter, and then pretty soon we were out in the country. We were climbing steadily, I noticed, and passing beautiful villas, homes of rich expatriates who... Come to live in this strange little international settlement of Tangier, where you don't even have to register with your consulate, and nobody pays any income taxes at all. I think I neglected to mention that Patsy was beautiful. And if I did, believe me, I was understating the situation. She had gray eyes and that clear, powdery gold hair that makes you think of the ashes of angel wings. I know an awful lot of girls, but... None of them I've ever laid eyes on would have given Patsy a worried moment. They may be better-looking aeroplane hostesses, but if there are, they're working for the airlines on another planet. As we climbed up to the moon-bright hills of the Tangier, I forgot completely the strange business which had brought me there, the advertisement in the paper, the airline ticket, and all the rest of it. I didn't care why I'd been sent for the Tangier. I didn't care who'd done it or what he wanted from me.
8: I adore kissing you. You do it very well. But we've come to our destination.
1: Oh, so we have. Anyway, the cab stopped. When did that happen?
8: About five minutes ago. Where are we? Well, there's the bay below
1: us. Oh, very pretty. It looks too, with all the lights and moon on the water. No,
8: not, not now, honey. Please. I'm very impatient. Now let's get out.
1: Why, well, it's nice in here.
8: It's nicer in the house.
1: Isn't that enormous, please? Mm-hmm. Anyway, i kind tried a private mansion, It must be sure we'll be welcome.
8: Here, you take the key. The key? You mean... That's what I mean. You're my guest. Yes, but, but how? You've been my guest all along. Gentlemen traveling to Tangier, a visit to the desk. But I, what, what do you, you mean? You
1: whistled a tune, didn't you? Well, how do you know about it?
8: I had a friend once who told me how fond you've always been in no, that music. No, no. I mean, how do you know about the ad in the paper? I ought to know. I've paid for it.
1: And my plane tickets.
8: I got a reduction from the airline. Come in, Harry. Here's a flashlight. I've got something to show you.
1: I followed Patsy into the house. It was a huge place, full of heavy chandeliers and pompous furniture, most of which are pretty spooky-looking because they were covered with dust cloths. Obviously, the place I hadn't been lived in for many months, but who was it who had lived here? Who was it that built this unlikely palace on a hill overlooking the harbor of Tangier. Above all, why had I been brought here? Just who was P. Smith, air hosters, and what did she expect me to do about it? We made a tour of several chambers before I even started to get any answers.
0: This way, Harry.
1: Oh. Where are we now?
8: This used to be a ballroom. Close the curtains, then we'll turn on the lights. Okay. You sure they're tight shut all around? We don't want the police to come and start asking questions. You can say that again,
1: honey. What have the cops got to do with you?
8: Nothing yet. I'll turn on the switch. See that?
1: Huh? I see a piano. About 30 gilt chairs. A big rolled-up carpet, all very splendid and grand. But which particular item am I supposed to admire? The carpet. I'm not a connoisseur, Patsy, so if you brought me here to get an appraisal, I'm afraid we're both wasting our time. Nothing about carpets.
8: Do you know about heroin?
1: Uh, Yes. Heroin is a drug. It is nasty and habit-forming, and its sale is controlled by international law.
8: Go on. Tell me more.
1: I don't know any more about heroin. Not anything to speak of. I don't use drugs, Miss Smith.
8: But you sell them?
1: I've just told you that the sale of heroin is controlled by law. Are you suggesting... I'm that
8: suggesting that there isn't much you don't know about breaking the law. Any law.
1: <laughs> You've got a point there. I won't try to deny that my knowledge of the subject isn't fairly extensive. Why do
8: you think I sent for you? Why do you think I brought you here? You're Harry Lyme, aren't you? Now, stop kidding for a minute and let's get down to well, business.
1: Well, first of all, I think you'd better answer a few questions, Miss P. Smith, air host. That
8: isn't necessary. Maybe
1: not, sweetheart, but I'm a curious type. I like the facts before I take on a job, all of them. First of all, what's your racket?
8: I haven't any racket. I'm an airline hostess. Yes, but why? Because it's a good job.
1: Yes, because the run takes you to Tangier, am I right? That's partly right,
8: yes, but listen... What's your have... real
1: name? What's it to you? We'll play it my way, sweetheart. We aren't playing it at all. must need me awful bad to take all this trouble to look me up and move me here. If you need me, you're going to cooperate. We'll start off with your real name and go on from there.
8: Did you ever hear of a man named Muggetti?
1: Oh, Rico, Gaddy? mm mm-hmm. Yes, I thought the name of this place was familiar. I met Rico once in Marseille. Another time in Casablanca. He comes from Corsica, isn't that right? He came from Corsica. You mean he's dead?
8: Yes. I was his wife.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. There's
8: no need to be sorry for me. I killed Rico myself.
1: Then well, I'm sorry for Rico.
8: He wasn't a nice man, had he?
1: No, I guess he wasn't. I remember now I once saw him blind, a man with a broken wine glass. You're right. Rico wasn't a very nice man, but he was uh careless
8: How do you mean, careless?
1: With his wives, anyway. A man has to watch himself when he starts playing with wives. Sometimes they're loaded. Why don't you stop
8: kidding just for a minute?
1: What am I supposed to do? After all, there are only so many alternatives. I can make a joke about what you just told me or congratulate you or hand you to the cops. And now I think it's better if we treat it as a joke.
8: So this is the notorious Harry Lyme, the man no country can hold and who stops at nothing. You know what? I think you're actually shocked.
1: Maybe I'm not Harry Lyme at all. After all... uh, an awful lot of people can whistle that song. You'd better be. I'd better be what, Love Boat? The original Harry Lime? Not a facsimile? He doesn't like murder, Mrs. Moghetti. You say he stops at nothing. Well, believe you me, he stops at that. A, it's messy. B, it's silly. And C, there's no profit in it. Besides, Harry Lime's mother always told him not to go around killing people. She said it wasn't.
8: Nice. You don't know the facts in the case, Harry. I was justified. I'll have to take my word for
1: that. I guess I will at that. And now, Mrs. Mugetti, if you don't mind, why have you brought me all the way to Africa to this empty house? You say there's a lot of heroin in that rug. Do I take your word for that? You don't
8: have to. You can look for yourself.
1: I told you before, honey. I don't know anything about dope.
8: You know people who do, don't you? People in Paris, in London, in New York. Not intimately. But you know how the drug traffic works. I don't. It was something new for Rico, some kind of big haul. He must have had a partner because he wouldn't have known how to dispose of it. It wasn't his line at all. It isn't mine either,
1: honey. I keep telling you that. How do you know it's so valuable? He told
8: me. I've been keeping it here in the house for months now. This airline job I have is perfect for smuggling this stuff, but I don't know who to take it to. I don't know what towns pay the best price. I don't know the names of the agents. Rico kept me away from that kind of thing. All I can remember was hearing him talk about you. You've got to help me, Harry.
1: And what about the police?
8: They don't know it's here. I don't think they even know about the house, at least... There isn't anything against him in Tangier. I
1: mean, about you, love boat. You killed him, didn't you? How do the cops feel about that? Well, they
8: don't suspect me. There's no reason why they should. I had a good alibi. I wasn't even in town. Just yes, tell me how you
1: did that sometime. So
8: you can blackmail me? No, thanks, Harry. Let's keep our relationship on a nice, clean business level.
7: That's the first portion of the Lives of Harry Lime. More after these words. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Now back to the lives of Harry Lyme.
3: Now that's the way I like to hear you talk. Who are you? We'll talk about that later, Madame Muggetti. Now I think it would be easier all around if you and Mr. Lyme put your hands in the air. Not too high. Just shoulder level, huh? Fine. This is a very efficient gun I'm holding. And I have a good mask.
0: How did you get in?
3: I had to tell you, Madame Muggetti, the explanation is so banal. To the door. You left it open. Now then, where's the heroine? Uh, Just a minute. Yes,
1: Yes, Mr. Lyon? You seem to know my name, monsieur, but I'm afraid you have the advantage. It doesn't matter. I was, uh, shall we say, a business associate of this widow's lady's husband. Okay, don't tell me. Let me guess. You began in Indochina. You served three years in a penal colony in Brazil. They used to call you the doctor, am I right? I have a doctor's degree. Dr. Bessie, that's your name. Uh, what a detective you would make, Mr. I Lime. have a good memory, Dr. Bessie, and I'm a professional collector of information. You will find the heroin in the piano. In the piano? No. This is probably a trick, Mr. Lyme. Suppose you go to the piano and extract the Uh, heroin. Don't be silly, old man. It would be very simple for me to extract a revolver from the piano. I think it would be unpleasant for both of us if there was any shooting. There must be police in the neighborhood. I'd much prefer you to find your dope and leave quietly. I'm a peace-loving man. Very
3: well. I'll look for myself. (coughs) I'm keeping my eye on your line. Now, then. Wait a minute. There is nothing here.
0: What have you... Put up
8: your hands, Bessie. I'm warning you. I'll shoot if you don't. What have you...
1: Well, well, very quick, I must say. Congratulations. Strange. He said he was a good shot. Must have been boasting. Should have kept his eyes on both of us, and nobody could
8: do that. Is he dead?
1: I wouldn't know, Mrs. McGethy. I haven't asked him. He looks that way. Have you any plans?
8: Yes, we better get out
1: of here. Isn't that funny? That's just what I was going to suggest.
8: Take the heroin. You can (laughs) carry it just as it is in the rug. No
1: thanks. I have a bad back and I hate to stoop over. Why don't we just leave it where it is?
8: Let the cops find it and give up a hundred thousand dollars worth of dough, you crazy. Not
1: crazy enough to argue with you as long as you're holding that gun, Patsy, but what's that? Well, what do you think?
8: Maybe it's the police.
1: Either that or it's New Year's Eve. Douse the lights on. Right. Okay, and now... That's much better. Why, you... We've got darkness and I've got the oh, gun. Give it back to me. You're too impulsive for firearms, Mrs. Mugetti. I'm keeping the gun. The cops! Sure it's the here. cops. Your husband built a nice big house, but it's getting a bit overcrowded. If oh, you don't mind the suggestion, I think we'd better scram just two feet ahead of me, Mrs. Mugetti, and don't try anything funny. You shake Keep it. your seatbelt fastened. We're coming in. <laughs> We made our way out through the garden. The cops were all over the place, and after a while, it was clear that our only hope was in separating. Patsy! Patsy, you go through the shrubbery. Keep straight on down the field till you get to town. You can, Mrs. Just keep going down the road. What about you? I'll make out all right. Yes,
8: but what about the heroine? Heroine?
1: There isn't any heroine in this story, Mrs. Moghetti Just a hero. That's a joke, honey. You can laugh at it later when you catch your plane to Dakar. <laughs> They got her They took her off the plane on the return round to Paris Somebody tipped off the police about that murder It's what you might call the wages of life It's another joke, but you don't have to laugh at it I'll do the laughing You see, what Patsy didn't know was that I had picked up the rug in the darkness And hid it under a bush Just outside the window I came back later and collected it Of course, the word was out about Rico's big consignment And didn't have any trouble getting a good price in Marseille the next week But honestly, I don't approve of drugs That's why I threw the original stuff into the Bay of Tangier and delivered to the gangsters seven nicely wrapped packages of confectioner's sugar. They tell me you can get the habit for sugar, too, but my conscience is clear, all except for one thing, that that little prayer rug it was wrapped in. I know it didn't belong to me, but it looks very nice here in front of the tea table, don't you think so? Uh, Will you have milk or lemon with your tea? And how much sugar? This is the very best brand, you know. A syndicate of desperate gangsters paid me $50,000 for only seven packages of the same quality.
7: And that's The Lives of Harry Lime from August twenty fourth, 1951, with A Ticket to Tangier starring Orson Welles that was syndicated and heard on the Mutual Broadcasting System. All right, it's time now for the Abbott and Costello Show. Let's go back to October 4th, 1945. On this show, Lou promises his girlfriend a job. Here's part one of the Abbott and Costello Show. The Abbott and Costello Program, with the modern rhythm of Will Osborn and orchestra, the swingy
2: singing of Connie Haynes. And spotlighting that cheeky, chubby little mischief-maker who, when caught red-handed cutting the garters off his Aunt Minnie's girdle to make himself a slingshot, calmly said,
0: I'm a bad boy!
4: I'll say you're a bad boy, Costello. What's the idea of coming here late? The first broadcast of our new season. You're supposed to make a speech of welcome to our listeners. Uh, By the way, do you know how to make a speech? Oh, sure, I know how to make a speech. Oh, you do? Sure. Watch me. Go ahead. Ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Costello, they know they're ladies and gentlemen. I know, but it's nice to remind them of it every once in a while. (laughs) Never mind. go ahead with your speech. Oh, yeah. Yes. All right. Now, just listen to this. All right, let me hear it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. All right, take it easy. I'm lost, and it's the beginning of the season. Go ahead. Now, never mind. (laughs) Folks... We're back again, and we're going to be on the air every Thursday night for a whole year.
0: Oh, no, no, not that Oh no!
4: <laughs> I think we just lost a listener. Uh, <laughs> all right, never mind that, Costello. Why weren't you here for rehearsal this afternoon? Where were you? Oh, I have a, my family gave me a welcome home party this afternoon. They did? Hey, did we have fun? My uncle Artie Stebbins, he drank two cups of tea and passed out cold. Now that's ridiculous. How could a man pass out from drinking two cups of tea? This was DTT.
0: You, you
4: dummy DTT is not a beverage. It's made strictly for vermin. That's right. We made it out for everybody. Men, vermin, and children. Ah, never mind about that. You should,
0: you know, you, should be... you know, you
4: should be very proud of the way your friends welcome you back from your vacation, Lou. I saw big signs all over your neighborhood. Oh, sure. Welcome home, our hero, Lou Costello. We love you, Lou Costello. America's ace of the airways, Lucas Tello. Yeah, but Abbott. What's that? Oh, but those signs embarrass me terribly. Why should those signs embarrass you? They caught me nailing them
0: up. Oh, come on. <laughs> you're,
4: you're impossible. <laughs> you're, never mind that. Look, tell me about your trip back east. H- how did you like New York? Oh, Abbott, New York's a wonderful place. You think so? The people there are so friendly. Yeah. The minute you get off the train, they grab you and they smother you with kisses. They do? Yeah. Then they take you for a ride in a the taxi. They hug and they kiss you. And oh. then they take you out for dinner and they buy you champagne. And then they take you for a moonlight ride in Central Park, and then they hug you and they kiss you some more, and then they send you home with a five-pound box of chocolate. Costello, did all this happen to you? No, to my sister. Uh, (laughs) Costello,
0: please,
4: I'm talking about you. What did you do in New York? Oh, Abbott, I met the most beautiful way... We went together for 13 weeks. You went you went with his way for 13 weeks? Yeah, we just finished basic training. Oh, come on. That's silly. The next time I see you, we're going on maneuvers.
0: We uh, really talk
4: sense, Costello. Hey, uh, look... What does this girl do in the Navy? Is she uh, a petty officer? What kind of officer? Uh, petty. Petty? Oh, sure. She petties all the time. And she likes the necky, too. <laughs> I don't
0: mean that. I'm
4: crazy about that girl, yeah, Abbott. I can imagine. She's so sweet and delicatessen. Uh, delicatessen? Everything about her is so dainty. Uh, what's her name? Lena. Lena. Lena Gensler. Lena Gensler. <laughs> Is she a nice girl? Is she a nice girl who... Uh, did you meet her family? Oh, sure. And what a family. Her father and mother have 37 children. 37 children? Mm-hmm. They they must live on the other side of the tracks. With 37 children, they got to live on both sides of the tracks. <laughs> well, never mind about her family. Is Lena a pretty girl? Pretty? Mm-hmm. Abbott, do you know how Veronica Lake's cute little nose comes right to a point? Yes. Lena's head does the same thing. <laughs> uh, well, look, how about a figure? Is she uh, silk-like? Uh, what? Is she silk like Does she have a silk like figure? If she does, she keeps, she keeps it to herself. No, 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 no you do By silk like I mean, uh, chick. Is, is Lena shick? No, she ain't been chick since she had the mumps.
0: No. <laughs> uh,
4: chick has nothing to do with, uh, with the mumps. Chick means, uh, svelte. Now, is Lena chick and svelte? Oh, yeah. When Lena had the mumps, she was very sick, and her face smelt very up. Her mother rubbed a shower of shab on her push and a smelting vent of vein. No, 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 no. What have we got, Swedish writers? I alcohol? don't know.
0: <laughs> anyway, Miss Hill, listen to me, Miss Hill.
4: I only want to find out your girl friend Lena, uh, what she looks like. Is, is she pert? She what? Pert, pert. Would you say she was pert? Certainly, she's pert. She's pert Irish and pert Eskimo. No, no you really... I'm not talking about her background. I want to know if Lena is pert or appealing. Oh, sure. One time she got sunburned, and a pert of her background was appealing.
0: No, no, look. Look, Costello. Uh, I merely ask you if your girlfriend
4: Lena is chic. When I say chic, I'm not referring to her health. Chic means pert. Therefore, a girl uh, can be pert, and, and a pert girl can be svelte, and a svelte girl can be appealing. Oh, when you say a girl is chic, you're not referring to her health. Shick means pert, and a girl who is chic and pert is appealing. And most girls who are appealing are referred to as svelte. Therefore, a chic girl can be pert, and a pert girl can be svelte, and a svelte girl can be appealing. Now you've got it. Now I don't even know what I'm talking about! Get him out of here! she's as sweet as she can be. I love
2: to lean against Lena. When Lena leans against me. All right, look,
4: cut that out, Custer. Will you please never mind that scene? Uh, will you, look, will you forget about your girl, Lena? You're, you're here and she's in New York. I'll never forget, Lena. Uh. Do you remember the last night her and I was together? I bought a great big bag of gumdrops. Red ones for Lena and black ones for me. Red gr- uh, gumdrops for Lena and black ones for you? Yeah, we sat on a bench in the park eating them gumdrops. Then it got dark and I little lantern. You jerk. You mean you were sitting on a bench with a beautiful girl at night and you lit a lantern? Yeah. Why? It was so dark I couldn't tell the red gumdrops from the black ones. <laughs> Costello, is that somebody at the door? I didn't hear anything. <laughs>
0: uh,
4: I beg your pardon, gentlemen. I'm looking for Mr. Av. Yeah. Mr. Av. For Mr. Abbott Mr. Abbott? No, Costello <laughs> I'm Lou Costello, what do you want? Well, I got a telegram for you And it's from Chicago It's Chicago It's from Chicago Chicago? Brooklyn uh, <laughs> Where did they dig this hiccup? <laughs> uh, here, boy, give me that telegram, please uh, Costello Yeah? The boy has his hand out What do you want me to do, read his palm? No, 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 no <laughs> He's, he's waiting for you to lay a little, uh, gratuity in his hand. Lay a gratuity? Yeah. If you'll settle for an egg, I think I can make it.
0: <laughs>
4: oh, that's all right. My company won't allow me to accept... <laughs> money? No, tips.
0: <laughs> <laughs> The telegraph
4: company pays me very well as it is. I only been working for them for 20 years, and yesterday they raised me. They raised you? Sure, they raised my bicycle seat up six inches. <laughs> I think he's just got a flat, that guy. You know, the only reason we keep a guy on a show is because he knows where to get bacon. Oh, never mind. Here, give me that telegram. Give me that telegram, Costello. I'll read it. Uh, let's see. Have been, have been discharged from the waves. Amen. I'm on my way to Hollywood to accept the starring role that you promised me at Universal Studios. Sign. Lean against her. Costello. Costello. Look at me. Did you promise that little girl that you would make her a star in pictures? have I had to. You had to? <laughs> the only manly thing to do. It all happened tonight. I bought her a bag of gumdrops. It was so romantic. Every time we reached for a gumdrop, our fingers would meet inside the sack. Then, quite by accident, I kissed her Oh, how could you kiss her by accident? We were both chewing on the same gumdrop And I ate half my half You imbecile You didn't have to promise her a starring plot in pictures Just because you kissed her That's not all I did as What? I, as I was pulling away, the gumdrop snapped And bent her pivot to Well, you're certainly in a mess, Costello how are you going to get an unknown girl a starring part in pictures? Eh, yeah, but I thought maybe you could help me. I can't help you, I can't. Wait a minute. Hey, wait a minute. There's a man here tonight who happens to be the world's greatest motion picture producer. Ah, uh, good evening, gentlemen. I am Professor Mellonhead.
0: <laughs> Better known around the studio
2: as uh, Cecil B. D. Mellonhead. Mellonhead? Hey,
0: Abbie, get
4: a look at that skull. His head looks more like Nagasaki after it was hit by the atomic bomb.
2: Young man, don't you scoff at my cranium. I'll have you know there's plenty inside of my head. There should be. There's
4: nothing on the outside. <laughs>
0: Well, i I know how
4: you can make a lot of money. How? Oh. Rent your head out as a skating rink for flies. Oh, now, now, Costello. Suppose my head is round
2: and shiny. Surely you've seen things like this before. Yeah, but they all had handles on them. Yeah.
0: Oh. Quiet, oh. Costello, please. Uh, hey, Professor, do you
4: think you could advise Costello how to get this girl a starring role in pictures? Certainly, yeah, but now, Costello, first I'll have to know something about your girl. Is she photogenic?
2: No, she's part Irish and part Eskimo. Oh, I <laughs> think She's chic. Now, I'm not speaking of her extraction. I'm merely inquiring about her physiognomy. Her what? Her physiognomy. Does she have a smooth physiognomy? Gentlemen, don't discuss those things outside of bar rooms.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Lou Costello, you
2: haven't got the brains of a two-year-old
4: child. I know, but look at the difference in our ages.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> Ladies, gentlemen,
4: gentlemen, we're getting no place. Costello's girl is on her way here, and, and he made her a promise to star in pictures. Now we've got to do something about it. Very well, Costello. I will personally groom your girl for a screen test. Mellonhead,
2: just what do you intend to do? Well, first, I will instill her with supreme confidence. I will enhance her histrionic proclivities. I will retard her basic timidity. Cram her repertoire with scintillating soliloquies, and then, with dynamic exuberance, I will embellish her cinematic latitude.
0: <laughs> you wouldn't dare You haven't got the nerve All
2: oh, nonsense Costello, I've never been so humiliated in my life I'm ashamed to have people see me walk out of here After conversing with an imbecile like you Mr. Rabbit Isn't there some way I can sneak out of here without being seen? Look,
4: Mellonhead, if that's the way you feel about it You can go out this window and down our fire escape Thank you Open the window Good night, gentlemen Costello, what was that? It just dawned on me, we ain't got no fire escape.
5: All right, all right. Stand aside, boy, and let me in. One side or I'll open your head. Uh,
2: Shh, sh- sh- p- Please, madam, quiet. The Abbott and uh, Costello show is on the air in the studio.
5: You must be absolutely quiet, not a sound... You're not even supposed to breathe while they're on the air. Don't tell me they're that bad.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm going in.
5: Step aside, hack-rack, hack-rack, before I hang something on your hook. (laughs) Ha
2: ha. You're not getting past me, madam. I am the head usher.
5: Oh, yeah? (laughs) Well, pick up your head, usher. What's going on
4: here? Wait a minute. What is all this commotion, madam?
5: Boy... I'm looking for the owner of the NBC network, Mr. Lou Costello. Just tell him. You may tell him that Lena
4: Genster is here. Uh-oh. Uh, uh, w- w- wait here. Just, just a minute, Miss uh, uh, Genster. Don't, don't go away, will you, please? Uh, just a minute. I'll be right back. I'll be right back. Costello. Costello. What? Costello. Yeah? Uh, who do you think is here? Who? It's Lena Genster. Oh, God. That's... <laughs> what?
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, <laughs> no. Lena Ginster, hey, you have it. Open I? the window. I'm going down the fire escape. Costello, we have no fire escape. I'll make one. No, 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 <laughs> Costello, Costello, come here. Uh, did you tell uh, Lena Ginster that you own the NBC network? I had to, Abbott. When did you tell her that? The night you had the gumdrops? No, that was the night we made fudge.
0: <laughs> Stella, you idiot.
4: First you told me you'd star in pictures. Then you told her you owned an NBC network. I uh, hope you didn't tell her you were the mayor of Los Angeles. Abbott, you know I wouldn't do that. No. I'm not that dumb. You're not that dumb. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs>
5: I've had enough of this horsing around. I demand to see Senator Lucas Stella.
4: Senator! <laughs> Yeah, but that must have been the night we pulled taffy.
5: Uh-huh. Ah, there you are, Fasso. Come here to Mama and give her a great big kiss. <laughs> All right now, put me down.
0: <laughs>
5: well, Bubble Nose, let's call Universal Studios and tell them the new star has arrived. We'll go right over. Go on, Costello. Get them on the phone.
4: Hey, yeah, but what's the studio's phone number?
5: <laughs> get in. He owns the studio and he doesn't even know the phone number.
4: Costello. You told her you own the studio? Oh uh, sure, I'll own it any day now. President Bloomberg of Universal practically promised it to me. He, he promised it to you? Yeah, he said, Costello, one more picture like the last one and I'm gonna give you the business.
0: <laughs>
5: <laughs> Come on, fatso. Jump over that last egg and let's get out of the studio. I'm ready to star in my first picture.
7: And that's the first portion of The Abbott and Costello Show, October 4th, 1945, as heard on NBC. Let's take a break. When we come back, it's more of Hollywood 360. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic
4: radio on Hollywood 360.
7: Next time, it's the conclusion to the Abaddon Costello Show. Then we'll tune into part two of our ten-part adventure with Adventures by Morse with the Cobra King Strikes Back. You won't want to miss that. We'll see you next time right here on Hollywood 360.